Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Can't hate yourself. You got to love yourself. Isn't that what they tell us all the time? You have nobody to answer to. There is no morality, just whatever turns you on, whatever pleases you, that's what you can do. So don't hate yourself, all right? Well, I tell you, my kids, well, Derek, who you all know, just came back from Hawaii. And I guess you could say just in time because Maui is on fire. I mean, we're complaining because it's hot, but There are wildfires racing through parts of Hawaii, destroying the homes and the businesses in a very historic town on the island of Maui. People are being evacuated and people are going into the sea. Where do you go if you're on an island in the middle of the Pacific? You go, uh, you know, board a, a boat and then get rescued by the Coast Guard. Lahaina Town, which is a place that's very popular with tourists, in the county of Maui, and I stopped through there. Didn't get to spend much time there because, of course, the same son, Derek, who just came back from there, ruined my Hawaiian vacation when he decided he had to get married in the middle of it. And it was a big wedding, and it was just too late for me to cancel my trip. So my husband and I got to go to Hawaii for two days instead of 10 days. Not that I'm holding a resentment, against my son, but I uh, do think about that every now and then. The National Weather Service said that Hurricane Dora, which was passing to the south of the island chain, it was pretty far away, like 500 miles away, did cause the gusts that knocked out power and literally the firefighting helicopters couldn't get in there. So You know, just because it's super hot outside, and it is super hot outside. I walked outside from uh, visiting some of the inmates, and it was like right in your face, 90-plus degrees, and just a heaviness. I had not really uh, been complaining about the heat because I like the heat. You know, heat doesn't bother me as much as cold bothers me. But it was a little overwhelming today, i got to admit that. So I started looking around, you know, what is it like in other parts of the country? What's the day like? And it's hot almost everywhere in the United States right now. And that's okay because it will end. But the fires are going to ruin a lot of stuff. The acting governor, Sylvia Luke, had to proclaim an emergency. The actual governor, Josh Green, is traveling. But he did activate the Hawaii National Guard to help. So far, they haven't reported any fatalities, which is a good thing. 
But it's just interesting when you look around the country to see what kind of weather conditions there are. It's hot. I get it. Um, there were a lot of other stories that really, you know, I, I don't always report every person that passes on because at my age, it's like fairly frequent that somebody uh, either that I know or was a big star during my years will pass. And I don't always say anything, but I do have to say Robbie Robertson passed. And if you were a fan of the band, that probably uh, made you sad like it made me sad. The good news was that she's back. Former Arizona GOP gubernatorial nominee Carrie Lake, who I had a chance to see speak in uh, at the Club 47, is putting a staff together for a Senate campaign. It looks like she's going to launch it in October, which will literally make Arizona ground zero. It will. It will be the most watched elections. There's a potential three-way battle. It would be the uh, the current senator, who's Kristen Cinema, who's running as an independent, and then they'll put up a Democrat candidate. We have no idea, or I have no idea who that might be. And then there'll be Carrie Lake. Now, the former TV anchor Carrie Lake has a tremendous following, and. She's been drawing crowds everywhere she goes. I mean, I, I can tell you in Palm Beach, she pulled a thousand people in just to hear her speak. And we'll see. She's, she had a, an event with Bernie Moreno in Ohio. He's a Senate candidate from Ohio. She uh, has been hanging out with people like J.D. Vance. And these are all people who, let's face it, you know, they, they shook up the last election, even though it wasn't an election that went the way I would have wanted it to. And uh, Cinema, who was once the Democrat darling, she was the first Democrat to win an Arizona Senate seat in like three decades and has spent most of the Biden presidency at odds with the progressives. She don't fit in that caucus at all. So we'll see. Uh, there's a Marine combat veteran, Ruben Gallego, who's running. He wants to replace cinema by appealing to his party's base. He's convinced that Arizona voters want fundamental and not incremental change in Washington. He outraised cinema last quarter. He was there when Biden landed at uh, the Grand Canyon National Park Airport. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. Biden was with both of them, Gallego and Cinema, because Cinema was there when he designated the Greater Grand Canyon National Monument on yesterday. So we don't know. Cinema has not yet officially announced whether she'll even run for re-election, but she's got something like $10 million in cash on hand. So I don't think she's going home. I don't think she's going home um, willfully. An Emerson poll indicated cinema would pull away more votes from Republican voters than from Democrats. So if there is a three-way race, cinema, Gallego, and Lake, it doesn't, you know, bode well for Lake. But we'll see. Oh, then there's the sheriff, Mark Lamb. He's also looking to be the nominee for the, the, the uh, Republican Party. 
He raised half a million dollars or so, but he ran an unsuccessful campaign. And Blake Masters is still hopeful. So I don't know. It's going to be a crazy race. But Arizona is definitely ground zero, and I will be watching very carefully. The special counsel has is now made the X, formerly known as Twitter, is holding them in contempt, or at least the federal judges, because they will not comply with a search warrant of President Trump's account that Jack Smith, the prosecutor, has requested. So they've ordered them to pay a $350,000 fine. We see that in court filings that have just been released. All I could tell you is, thank God for Elon Musk, because he may be the only thing standing in the way of this government, and in this particular case, this Biden administration, who just strong arms social media companies and gets them do, to do whatever they want. Hide that story, exaggerate that story, give us the records. We'll see. Of course, you know, Trump has some rights too. And hopefully his law, his T legal team is working diligently around the clock. You know, I, I'm convinced that this is not working well for Jack Smith. I don't think that anybody wanted to see all these indictments. It starts to look stupid. If you have two or three really good indictments, that is scary. But if you need 40 and none of them really good, you just turn the people against the state. That's what you do. So, you know, I'm still convinced that we're ignoring some of the biggest stories that are out there. You know, one of the biggest stories that out that's out there right now is this immigration reform about these visas that really are very, very concerning for people like me. Immigration is a big issue. I get it. It's an issue with lots of emotion in it. I get it. I've been pilloried, put on the cover of newspapers, as an anti-immigrant you know, immigrant person. So I understand how volatile this discussion is. But that doesn't mean that we can ignore it. Now we have 54 elected officials in New York City, my hometown, sent a letter to President Biden saying, you need to do something about all the illegal immigrants coming into New York City. We want a federal state of emergency so that the illegal immigrants can legally work in the country. Imagine, here are these assembly persons like uh, New York City Assemblywoman Jennifer Raj Kumar talking about we're, we're, we take pride in the fact that we're a beacon of hope for immigrants, and, but, 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 but the influx of migrants is so great that we're running out of resources. New York City is being forced to reduce services for New Yorkers. Wow, does that not sound like a familiar argument? Haven't they been saying that in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California? Well, maybe not Southern California. They're all delusional and, uh, you know, they're all on medical marijuana for recreational purposes. But really, 
they just figured out that a surge of illegal immigrants makes it very difficult for cities? Ask any border town the question, and they'll tell you we've been begging for help for years, decades. But don't worry, because now New York needs help. Since the spring of 2022, buses of illegal immigrants sent from the southern border in Texas are arriving on a regular basis in the city. Yay, Governor Abbott. A lot of them are asylum seekers from Venezuela. I get it. I would want to escape the socialist country's economic collapse. And, you know, the New York officials welcome them. But this sanctuary city couldn't house its 60,000-plus homeless people, and now they got to find housing for tens of thousands of asylum seekers. The mayor, Eric Adams, declared a state of emergency in the city back in October of 2022. He said, we're anticipating that the number of people could double and will cost a billion dollars within a fiscal year. We need help. And we need it now, Mr. Adams said. New York City is doing our part, and now others must step up and join us. How about securing the bar border? How about getting the people in your party to admit that we cannot have a porous border and expect the residents of America, the people who were here legally, to absorb the cost of your insane policies? This is crazy. Last week, they set up a shelter for a 1,000 illegal immigrants in the parking lot of a state psychiatric hospital. They had to use the special use clause, right? That's why he had to declare a state of emergency. A federal state of emergency would allow federal agencies to work with and fund the housing and services for the illegal immigrants. Federal government could then provide migrants with assistance, such as shelter, food relief, health care, legal aid, and transportation. So in other words, that's what your tax dollars should be going for. Sheltering, feeding, medical attention for illegal immigrants, legal uh, aid, transportation. Who's doing that for American citizens? Certainly not uh, the federal government. All right. Don't forget to download the app, the 850WFTL app, or visit our website, 850WFTL.com. Now, I realize we're not giving away a billion dollars like somebody won in Florida last night, but we do have contests, and you could be a winner. Check them out. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So uh, what can I tell you? They, the special counsel is out of his mind, and the people have, what, what should we call it, indictment fatigue, Trump derangement syndrome squared. It's just not working. But they won't stop. They just can't stop themselves. And now, of course, you got this insane committee looking into all of this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Ukraine, China stuff, and 
<clears throat> the mainstream media is like ho hum. Let's find uh, another thing to charge Trump with. Oh, there's still Georgia. Maybe they'll take a mugshot. Those are still the headlines. Now you, you you look at that and you think they just don't get the American people at all. They just don't get us. And much to my delight, but going to be much to their chagrin, we're going to do what we want to do. And what we want... Oh, I can't believe this just came across the wire. You know, this trial has been going on about Andy No, no who got beat up by a bunch of Antifa thugs. I don't know what else to call them. And... A jury in Portland, Oregon, oh, well, that explains it. The jury in Portland, Oregon has reached a verdict, unbelievably, finding the Antifa thugs not liable in the civil case that the uh, Andy No, the journalist, filed. You can't make this up. And, and he had Harmeet Dillon as his attorney. He was looking for a million dollars, almost a million dollars in damages in a lawsuit accusing the co-defendants of assault, battery, theft, and intentional infliction of emotional distress for a series of violent and in 2019 when he was hospitalized for a brain hemorrhage. And both of the defendants actually admitted to doing it. No filed a complaint in Portland in 2020 claiming assault and other injuries over alleged acts of violence carried out by members of Antifa. The entire country watched him be attacked. I saw the video. You saw the video. So now they get off scot-free. This emboldens the Antifa terrorists. You know, we're going we're gonna to have to confront the possibility, as my husband always likes to say, of blood in the streets. Because if, I, if I'm an Antifa thug right now and I feel like beating up a journalist who, by the way, happens to be Asian, this should have been not just a, well, I think it should have been a hate crime. He was beat up because he's a conservative journalist and he happens to be Asian. Trust me, if the shoe were on the other foot, we have to bend over backwards. I don't get it. I really don't. But the justice system in this country is not anything like the one that I grew up under. Now you got all these notes, as I said before, I was talking before I saw the thing about Andy. No, I was talking about, you know, Jim Comer's, he's, he's revealing all these incredible details about the Bidens they raked in millions of dollars from oligarchs in Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. I mean, these are bank records that the House Oversight and Accountability Committee have got in their hands and have now revealed showing how much money these people were taking. He released the third memo on bank records related to the investigation of then-Vice President Joe Biden's alleged influence peddling. Those records accounted for a reported $20 million received from Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine combined within the time that he was then the VP under President Barack Obama. Now, let me ask you a question. This is the question that Dan Bongino asked today. This is the question 
that guys on other stations are asking. You won't hear it out of certain hosts, but you'll hear it out of the truly conservative hosts. This had to be approved, all of this, by the then President Barack Obama. Joe Biden couldn't do any of these things without the administration signing off on it. If Joe Biden, as vice president, is dining with oligarchs in D.C. at the Cafe Milano, does anybody really think that the Obama administration was unaware of it? That at no point did they say, whoa, Joe, you know, pull back. This is going to raise a lot of eyebrows when your son receives millions of dollars in payments from Yelena Baterina, from Burisma, from Rakashev, who was a close associate of the prime minister of Kazakhstan. You can't have dinner with them. And then your son ends up raking in millions of dollars from them. And you're participating in meetings and phone calls and everything else. Pretty clear to everybody now that Joe Biden knew about his son's business dealings and he allowed himself to be the brand that was sold when he was VP. And I don't, and I agree with Dan Bongino, I don't think for one minute that Barack Obama knew nothing. That's just not possible. Which means he's complicit. Which means the House Oversight and Accountability Committee has an opportunity right now to start looking at the former president. Hey, if they could look at the former 45, why can't they look at 44? Of course they can. We'll see what happens. Anyway, I got to take a break. I'm going to pour through some of these uh, records, you know, of Joe Biden's finances. Gosh, don't you wish you had a son who could earn $50,000 a month? doing nothing just because he's your son? Uh, see, my son doesn't make that much. All right, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Man, I, I just don't get this nonsense that goes on when it comes to a long-term strike. Like, it doesn't have the impact that it had when I was young. Because I think strikes don't stop much anymore. The writers in California and Hollywood have been on strike now for quite some time. The actors and actresses joined in. But I don't see any substantial difference in how many movies are coming out or how many of these made-for-TV, made-for-Netflix movies are taking place. Every day I see an ad for something else. So what is the strike really about? Maybe somebody could explain that to me. You know, send me an email, joyceradio at gmail.com, because I'm still trying to figure out, like, when we when you used to have a strike, like, I remember they had a strike in New York of the garbage men, with the sanitation men. We weren't allowed to call them garbage men. And the strike shut the city down. Since I left New York, they've had, like, a dozen of sanitation worker strikes and never doesn't even make a blip on the screen. So I, I just don't get it. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's time for unions to admit they don't have much 
sway or power anymore. Because you can be replaced. We got enough illegal immigrants to replace any kind of worker that doesn't need to be well-educated. But don't worry, we'll educate them while they're working. And you've got AI. So you need a script. What's the storyline? Okay, you want to write a script about some guy who becomes a drug trafficker and you need it to be like a eh, three-year series. You just go to chat whatever it is. I don't even chat GPT. I, I have no idea how it works, but apparently it really does work. I have a friend who told me she wrote her entire, well, she didn't, her entire speech was written by artificial intelligence. She plugged in a few points that she wanted to make. The AI picked up on her thought processes and then produced this entire speech. She said she only had to change one line. So we're all expendable. It was a time when you really couldn't imagine finding an alternative to a scriptwriter or somebody who was a novelist. You know, I've been listening or reading and listening on Audible to novels from decades ago because I can't find anything good contemporary to read. It all feels really packaged to me, and maybe now it's because it is. You know, somebody recommended a novel to me the other day, a contemporary novel written by a, a young uh, Asian-American woman. The subject, you know, on the back cover looked pretty interesting. And I, I got the book, and it was the most boring, simple, not very interesting. Like, I've read much more interesting articles in the, uh, you know, Washington Post, and they're not known for creativity. They are known for telling fibs, though. But I'm, I'm um, reading this book and I said, you know, I got to go back to the classics. And they don't have to be old classics. I don't have to read, you know, things that were written in the 1800s. But I've been reading books like John Irving. I, I read the A Prayer for Owen Meany, Hotel New Hampshire, The World According to Garp, because they are beautifully written books where you can picture in your mind the scenery and the individuals and it's the detail and the conversations and the thought process of whoever's voice it's being written in. And I just don't know if there's contemporary novels like that. I haven't found them yet. So I'm, I'm reduced to reading old books that I've actually read before. But if enough time goes by, it seems like, you know, a new book to you. So that's, uh, that's my reading list. I, I, everybody says, well, you should have a, a book club and you should tell people what you're reading and the, give them an opportunity to read the same thing and then we can all discuss it. You know, I'm not Oprah. Like, you, you know what you enjoy reading. I had a woman tell me today she loves Agatha Christie. So she reads a lot of those mysteries. I get it. Not my cup of tea. You know, I like biographies. I like historical fiction. And I like a really good novel that's based on emotions, but that isn't syrupy and silly, right? So that's what I read. And I'm sure everybody has their favorite thing. Unfortunately, like, people don't read. Instead, 
they sit in front of the screens for hours. My husband is reading a book. He's been reading this book for, I don't know, the last month. If I haven't finished a book in three days, I just put it away. It's no good. If it doesn't, if I'm not compelled to finish it in two days, three days, then the book is not for me. And I just put it on the shelf or give it away or whatever. He'll stick with a book. He calls it, what do you call it? NyQuil. He said, oh, let me get my NyQuil. And he takes out the book and he reads until he falls asleep. I, that's not how I read. I read determined, you know, and I read until it's done. And sometimes it interferes with my life. You know, Audible was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I can listen to a book when I'm driving or when I'm walking or even when I'm swimming. I put in my ear pods, I put my phone under an umbrella and away I go. And another book bites the dust. So maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's why I cannot watch television. You know, right now, as I'm speaking on the air, my husband is watching probably his second Western because today's his big day off, right? So he's sitting there, and I like Westerns. I'll watch them occasionally. But I could no more sit through two Westerns. And even though the actors are great, I mean, this one has Yul Brenner in it and, you know, all kinds of people you recognize. But, like, okay, but for two and a half hours... My mind is not working. I'm just sort of observing. I'm just sort of a bystander. I'm a peeping Tom is what it feels like. When I read characters, I have to bring them to life. If the author's good, he brings them to life in my head. But that's a dying art. I do have a granddaughter that is a voracious reader, Nixie. I have a grandson who reads, not voracious, but he reads. But I look at other children, like my 16-year-old grandson, he doesn't read and unless it's under duress. He reads like the ESPN website from early in the morning till late at night. But I, I said to him the other day, what was the last book you read? And he couldn't even think of it. It scares me, it really does. Because if we can't read how are we going to get the information that we need? Because it's certainly not coming across the television screen. And to some extent, you can listen to the radio and we try to give you some of the facts, but we also give you a lot of opinion. You don't get as much information as you need. I give up. You know, I, I was looking at something the other day where some liberal... I don't know if he's a pundit or a, a consultant or something like that. He, he was online talking about how Jared Kushner got a $2 billion contract. So why are they picking on Hunter Biden? And all I kept thinking was like, but Jared Kushner actually has skills. He was a very successful business person. So of course he can get a contract. And of course, it doesn't hurt that his father-in-law was the former president, but he didn't get that contract when his father-in-law was in, in office, and he has detached. He and his wife, Ivanka, have detached from the Trump campaign. They're not going to serve in the administration, nothing like that. They're not advisors, nothing. So whatever he does, he has to prove himself. 
It's only different when you're a Democrat. And then you don't have to prove yourself. You just have to have a good last name and, you know, and, and a Department of Justice that's willing to overlook criminality because that's what it is. When you start looking at this and you start tabulating just how much money the Biden family bank statements show they have, it's pretty clear that this is a corrupt money machine and the Department of Justice is completely uninterested. Instead, they're saying, oh, but uh, Jared Kushner, give me a break, you know. And, and, and you can beat up a conservative journalist and say you're Antifa. Do you know that the attorney in that Andy No case stood up and said, I am Antifa? What the heck? Can you imagine? Antifa's a bunch of thugs who destroy property who are violent towards conservatives, and this attorney is bragging that he's Antifa? The defense attorney was this uh, Michelle Burroughs. She told jurors during closing statements that she was both a progressive and an anti-fascist. She proclaimed to them, I am Antifa, and stated that she would wear a T-shirt declaring it after the trial. She further claimed that the group's reputation for violence was untrue and that they were simply activists fighting for social justice and civil rights. She also justified Antifa by claiming resistance in this country has never been peaceful. Wow. So she's saying they're innocent and then saying, but they're resisting and they are justified and they're warriors. And then she said that Noah was a doxer because he uploads publicly available mugshots of Antifa-affiliated individuals that have committed crimes to his Twitter account, exposing them to his over a million followers. And because the U.S. has an unregulated internet, she claimed, Noah should have to take responsibility for the words he says on platforms. And then she smeared him, saying that his conduct has not been pristine. He has no credibility as a journalist. He's a liar. He tells half-truth. And, and so the defense attorney attacked the plaintiff. Uh, this is crazy world. She said, this is my last trial. I am retiring. And then she started blatant witness intimidation that should have caused a mistrial by telling the jurors, I will remember each one of your faces. What the heck? And this flies in Portland, Oregon. No had to flee the country. Even one of the defendants apologized during the proceedings that he couldn't take care of his parents because he had to flee the country. He said that hit home for him because he was unable to set things right with his own father before he passed away. So he was pulling the heartstrings of the jury by telling I overcame an opioid addiction. I suffered third-degree burns to 79% of my body. When you look at this guy, you know he was burned. So he's kind of sympathetic. But really, I am Antifa, the lawyer says. You just have to wonder, is there ever going to be justice again? You better hope nobody comes after you because you won't get justice in a courtroom in America if you're conservative. That's quite obvious. All right, let me take my final break. Don't, don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, and then all the great guys overnight. And then, of course, Jen and Bill will be back with South Florida Morning Show at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade, and then at 12 o'clock, 
the one and only Dan Bongino leading right into me at three o'clock. What a perfect clock, right? Thank you. Anyway, I will uh, take this quick break and then come back and finish this show. So I did see that uh, our Congressman Brian Mast was up there in New Hampshire with President Trump at an event, which, man, if you looked at the, the excitement in that crowd, it was the launch of New Hampshire's Veterans for Trump Coalition. And, you know, it's thanks to President Trump that the VA Mission Act literally revolutionized the VA community care system by making veterans choice permanent. That the Choice and Quality Employment Act means that veterans see the doctor that they want to see. They don't have to wait to go to the VA hospital. And it was President Trump who did that so that those horrible bureaucrats in the Veterans Administration, there's bureaucrats in every agency, but they were really, how disturbing that we had them in the Veterans Administration who weren't providing care to the veterans who deserve it probably more than anyone you can think of. And they weren't being held accountable. And I knew this from the inside because I had a daughter who was working in the psychiatric uh, facility in a VA hospital in San Francisco. And she said, people like call a suicide hotline and they get a busy signal or they don't get a call back. I mean, the veterans? So, you know, President Trump's got a tremendous amount of support in the veterans community. So uh, Afghanistan congressman, veteran congressman, Representative Brian Mast, he went up there with him and said as soon as he gets reelected, Donald Trump said he will reinstate the VA accountability on day one. He will direct his Veterans Administration secretary to fire every corrupt bureaucrat that Joe Biden refused to. And he's going to ask Congress to reallocate $200 million from the corrupt bureaucrats to the construction of a state-of-the-art VA hospital right there in New Hampshire will be the first of its kind and making, you know, suicide prevention a top priority, redirecting money. Why are we sheltering illegal immigrants and providing them with medical care and we got homeless veterans? Does that make sense to anybody? And get all that critical race theory crap out of the armed forces and all of that gender nonsense, transgendered procedures and all that other stuff. Not a dime should go to those things in our military. Instead, we should be building up our military and demanding that if you want to be a member of this incredible fighting force, the United States military, you have to put America first. We're not going to tolerate you join so you could get your, you know, hormones. It's crazy. But it's it's just a crazy time. We all get that. And we're all trying to just bear with it. And I know I am. But I did find out today that I am ineligible for the Facebook settlement. Jeez, I was actually hoping that I could get something out of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Because they're going to shell out millions of dollars in the settlement to users. But, you know, it doesn't include people who are directors, officers, legal representatives, alleged co-conspirators, and agents of Facebook owner Meta or its subsidiaries. So I happen to have had a daughter-in-law who worked for Facebook, Meta, whatever it's called. I'm ineligible. Ain't fair. 
I got banned, shadow banned, all kinds of uh, taken off Facebook, and even my church got taken off. But anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here at 3 o'clock tomorrow, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, may God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.